Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. And welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. And today I am so excited to have on Bridget Whitney. You guys may know her on Instagram as it's Bridget Bitch. And she is just such a, I don't even know how to describe you. Like if people follow you, they get it. If they don't, like, please just go look at her stories. And you are just like the most wild personality I've ever seen on the internet. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> The TMI that Bridget will share about, like, her pooping spectacles and just (laughs) constipation and then DIY and all sorts of stuff. Like, I get such a kick out of you, but I'm so happy to have you on today. Right before we hit record, I asked Bridget how I should introduce her. Like, is she a DIYer or a designer? And she was like, I guess I'm a short-term rental or I'm an investor designer. What did you say? Short-term rental friendly designer. Short-term rental friendly designer. How did I just say Investor friendly designer. Investor Bridget. friendly designer. We don't know what Bridget does. She's still figuring it out, but she's, if you guys go on Instagram right now, you will fall in love with her designs and just how crafty she is and all the personality and inside jokes on her profile from disco tiling things to turning everything bubblegum pink. You'll instantly recognize her iconic designs and crafts. So, Bridget, welcome today. I'm super excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I am so excited to chat. Finally, it's been forever. We've gone back and forth a lot, but we're here now. I know. We had a lot of scheduling complications, but we made it. Bridget, can you introduce to everybody, give us, if somebody doesn't follow you, like give us the lowdown on your profile, how it came to be. You started, at least when I started following you, I feel like all it was was just like finding Facebook marketplace finds and just kind of upcycling them. And then all of a sudden you had like running themes of disco tiling dinosaurs and painting McDonald's and Taco Bell signs, bubblegum pink. And I'm like, what is she doing? I don't know, but I love it. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That's why I have such a hard time saying my title because it's like I do so many different random shit. And so to the investor face, it's like a short-term rental friendly designer. But to girlies my age, I'm just painting things pink and having fun with (laughs) random stuff. So Long story short, I was in college in 2020 and I was a senior and the world shut down. Obviously, it was a time when a lot of us reflected and thought about what we wanted to do in the world and with our lives. And my partner, Blue, and I, who now we have this business together, we decided to start two Airbnb arbitrage in San Diego. And we hadn't really been in that world, but we had a friend who was doing it. And we, before that, were flipping furniture. So we were just going to Goodwill and finding all this weird furniture during COVID and painting it all these random colors. And so we furnished our two units with that funky furniture. I then realized that, okay, I might be kind of good at this and I might be kind of good at doing it on a budget. I I know a lot of people spend a lot of money doing this. Maybe I found a little niche here that I can channel. Uh, Long story short, I 
and me and my partner Blue traveled to Nashville to do another Airbnb arbitrage unit. And I started documenting the process on TikTok and I didn't think it would go anywhere. I was just kind of posting for funsies. I've done it before. Nobody cared at all. And so I was just, you know, posting. And from there, I got a lot of following and a lot of people really interested in what we were doing. And people were reaching out and wanted us to do their space. And at first I was like, what the hell? I can't do that. Like, I'm just doing these. Like, I just buy shit at Goodwill and paint exactly. it blue. Like, exactly. what? Yes. I'm like, I don't even know how I would do that. This is just for fun. I thought that it was just a random thing. Long story short, I said 90 times. But we ended up doing this for a client in North Carolina. And then from there, we just had tons of emails wanting us to do other investor spaces. And somehow it became our full-time thing. And now it's what we do for a living in gotten a lot more professional with it but it's been such a wild and unexpected ride so i did not know that about your story so you started off with your two own arbitrage units that you and your boyfriend were doing correct got it okay because i always wondered like how did we just go from like flipping furniture into short-term rental design so you had kind of test dummied it on yourself with your properties Okay. Yes. And that's why I, we realized that we really liked the short term rental space because it's just more wild and wacky and you can kind of be more creative with it. Whereas if it was just a normal client or, you know, normal interior design studio, like they just wouldn't be putting pink McDonald's signs on the wall. Yeah. It was more of a creative outlet at first and it just so happened to fall into the short term rental space. So yeah. Yeah, your style is perfect for STRs where everybody's just trying to like compete and stand out right now. Do you actually have any clients that are not in the short-term rental space? Has anyone hired you like for their primary home or is it really just more that direction of like being unique and wacky? We have people reach out. We have people that want us to do short-term rentals majority. I would say like 95% of it is investors for short-term rentals, but that 5% of people that want us to do their normal home they're like, Bridget, please, I don't care. I want it to be really crazy and wild. So it's fun because I was a little concerned about, you know, for normal homes, residential, that they wouldn't want it to be so wild. But these people have actually wanted it to be outrageous. So it's it's worked out perfectly. We haven't actually done one. I think sometimes the budget's a little bit too high or maybe it is even a little bit too wild for them and they don't end up following through. So our majority has been short-term rental, but I'm open to a wild woman wanting her home done. <laughs> I, and your stuff is cute, like on your own primary home. It's definitely out there, but I feel like the stuff you've shared of like redoing your guys' own home. You moved to Austin, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's still very like tasteful, I would say. I'm not a designer. I don't know the right words to use, but like it's out there. It's bold. It makes a statement, but like nothing is ugly that you do, you know? Yeah, that's nice. We always try to, for our clients when they're specifically short-term rentals, We want to really make it pop and really stand out. For our personal home, we want it to be wild and obviously Instagrammable since we do social media. But I wouldn't live in a crazy, you know, insane every wall wallpapered home permanently as of now. So I try to keep it a little bit more on the minimum for our house, but still a twist of wild. Do you still have those two arbitrage units in San Diego or have you guys since let those go and you're just full time designer now? Yeah, we let those go, but we have our, we let the two go in San Diego. We have one in Nashville still. It's, we're doing really well in Nashville. So we're like, we should keep that one. It's fun and it's cool for vacation as well. And we are starting to, and actually we're about to go live with three of our own that we actually purchased in Austin. So that will be lots of fun. It's been really stressful, but it's, I think it's different when it's 
when it's not, when it's a client space, it feels a little bit more like, okay, you know, I can be less, what's the word? I'm less, my heart is less attached to them. So oh, yeah. More like savage and more fun. And but, but when it's our space, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm just, I feel like I can't decide as well for our own space. So it's actually taking a lot longer for our personal homes versus our clients, which I didn't mm-hmm. expect, but it's a weird situation to be in. How did you guys, I did not know we were going to get into this. I thought we would just talk about design, but I have to know, how did you purchase three properties in Austin in such a short period of time? Walk us through the financials on that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't expect my life to be like this at all. I did not go to school for this. So this is incredibly random. So we looked in all, we wanted to move to Austin at the beginning of this year and we had, hadn't had two years of self-employment yet. So we were like, we need to have creative financing of some sort. We couldn't qualify without two years. And I was like 23. So actually, wait, how old am I? Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm like, I, this world is just so new for me. My boyfriend's in real estate. So he knew all the terminology. He was just like right. on it. So we ended up finding an amazing realtor, Brooke Roeder, if you're in Austin, everyone who found us a seller finance deal. And so it had a front house and then a back house. So we're going to, we put up a fence and we're going to rent them separately but yeah, basically it was seller finance. The It's 3.5% interest rate, which is badass. It's for five years and then we needed to put 10% down. So we had the funds. We just didn't have the qualifications for that. So both those are finally live. They both went under full construction. It was an, an entire basically got and flip, which was really another beast. But those are now ready. And then we just actually bought a duplex. And so we're going to live in one side, rent out the other. That's also seller finance. So the moral of the story here find seller finance if you're <laughs> find a realtor who can find you the seller yeah, financing exactly. so what's your what's your interest rate on the duplex because for the first property with the back house did you do the first time home buyer loan on that one no so for seller finance it was just they set the term so 3.5 percent for five years and then they wanted 10 percent down so the second one this duplex it was 650 to buy they wanted 10% down, and then it's a 5% interest rate for three years. Oh, my so, God. I know. It was really great. It's a beautiful, incredible duplex, but this one definitely needs work as well, but it's more doable. We don't have to hire out you know, a whole team. So this one will be more fun. We can be hands-on with it, make some content with it, but it's rent- it's rentable, so we can rent out the other side right away. We wanted to find something that we could offset our mortgage because mm-hmm. no one out here can pay a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And I mean- you know, you came from California. I live in California and everybody's like, oh, all the Californians are moving to Texas and Florida and raising the um, prices there. But that's why I wondered, like, is it still was it still relatively cheap to get four properties basically in Austin or you had to find these creative sort of financing solutions to make it work? Without creative financing, I don't think it'd be possible. I mean, we probably could have, but our mortgage would have been way higher, which just would have been probably a harder decision, much more stressful. However, it's cheaper than San Diego. I'm from San mm-hmm. Diego. So I was looking on Zillow and the cheapest prices in like a really not so great area was like 800K. So honestly, yeah. anything is better than California. However, I miss California. So I'm not going to talk Aww. about it. I love it. Do you think you'd move back? Yes. Ultimately, I think this is a great area to live when you're young. Austin's super fun and young and full of opportunity as well as I think we needed a little bit of a push to get out of our comfort zone. We've really branched out here into, you know, forming relationships with our mentors like Amy Majori and her husband, Sean, like 
we're just in this real estate world now. It feels more committed where we're in San Diego with friends and family. We didn't have to really, you know, we could be comfortable just sitting on the couch all night. Here we're like, let's make things happen. So if you're leaning, if you're in your 20s or 30s and you want to change, I would say just move for a year or two. Get a little change. Yeah, I love that. So what's the plan right now with the duplex? Are you like all in on let's get the other, the rental property up first and we can kind of live in like the shittier side for now and start making income? Or are you like, I want my perfect house and then we'll work on the renter side? Yeah, no. So so it's a, okay. So the duplex obviously has two units. The left side, unit A, is a three bedroom, two and a half bath. It's bigger. The right side is a two bed one and a half bath so blue the renter side is actually way cuter so i'm honestly sad about it but we are going to live in the uglier side and just let the renters have a little bit more luxury so we're going to take an l for it but i think that's okay we'll work on it make it cute and obviously i feel like we're at a position where we don't want to live luxury yet we're okay (laughs) kind of you know not living perfectly and comfortably so yeah we're going to get that one renter ready in the next month we'll probably have it live on airbnb Another really wonderful thing about our other house that we purchased, the back house fully pays the mortgage. So the front house, which is like the main house, is basically all profit. So it's really a great position that we're in right now for all three units. What is the regulation like in Austin right now? They just dropped all regulation. So basically in Austin, they there's a term that they just declared it unconstitutional to have Airbnb regulations. So we were a little nervous about that at first. That's why we weren't we're holding off on buying another one. But they declared it unconstitutional to have regulations. However, that could change in the future. But if we get permitted right now, we're all good. So once we get permitted, we're set and we don't have any worries. So it's a really good time that we came here. Yeah, besides the heat, it's been going really well. <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right, let's get back on design. So okay. I want to ask where, and I really hope people, like, as you're listening, please go check her out on Instagram. Again, it's, it, what is it? It's Bridget Bitch is yeah. your username. Like, go follow along the design so you know, like, what we're referring to here. But my question is, do you, and, like, no right or wrong answer here. I'm not trying to, like, set you up or anything, but... Do you like research or like, have you like done like studies to be like, this is the exact design that will perform here. And this is where the ROI is going to be amazing. And like, this is going to work for the demographic. Or are you just like an artist that you're like, I have a creative vision and just trust me, it's going to work. Like, I always wonder where designers are coming from. Yeah. So it's in the beginning, I think when we first did it, we were doing, we had a lot of properties, clients in Scottsdale. So we kind of had the idea of it's bachelorette. It's colorful. It's fun. There are so many here we need to stand out. So it wasn't as intentional at first with the first couple that we did. It was more so let's make them really colorful, fun. We had a client that we did end up doing a bachelorette house for, which, you know, is perfect for Scottsdale. But in the beginning, it was more so let's just be artistic with it. Now that it's beca- it became a legitimate business and we have a lot of investor clients, we need to be much more serious and like honed in on what is right and what's good, like mar- doing market research, looking on AirDNA, looking at all the comps and making sure that the theme is perfect for the clientele. I think when in doubt, we will go to like colorful family. Like if you're in a random place, you know, in Seattle, for example, I feel like it's family and it's, you know, there's not anything drawing you to like a big bachelorette or bachelor trips or anything crazy. Obviously there's sporting and stuff. So we for there would probably do like, yeah, a colorful family. However, we're doing one in Austin for our client, Rob, and he, we realized that in Austin, it's the top 10 bachelorette place. And 
there are no short-term rentals that cater to girls' trips or bachelorette. And if you go downtown, there are thousands at all times bachelorette trips. So we talked together and decided that we would do a bachelorette house. And obviously, I'm a little bit biased because they're my favorite to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying them like, hey, I think we should do this if it makes sense. But to answer your question, we do do market research. We would never, you know, in rural Kentucky, do a bachelorette or anything crazy. I think it's always important to know your market, but to always find ways to stand out a little bit, whether that's like wallpaper or mural or just a little bit more unique furniture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with like doing something like a bachelorette house, and I actually have a previous episode. I can't remember the number it is off the top of my head, but I'll drop it in the show notes if you guys want to go listen. But we've done a previous episode on bachelorette houses. But for you, like when you're researching that for the client, are you like looking at when you do niche yourself down to something as specific as a bachelorette? you're basically only going to be booked on weekends, right? Like you're giving up so much occupancy. So do you consider those things? And like, the thing is, though, even though you're dropping that occupancy, you're able to raise your nightly rate quite a bit. So are you guys like that granular with the data going into it and like presenting numbers to the client? Or is this something that you're doing more like hand in hand with the client? Like they have to do some of their research too, and you're just coming in to design it. I think most of the investors have a general idea of what's going to work and what they're comfortable with. So we rarely have an investor that's like, I know nothing, just set it up (laughs) and test, you know, so we usually are collaborative with it. We obviously want it to make sense. And something that we actually do, I should have clarified when I say bachelorette, because we have, we never, even if the client wants bachelorette, we never make it only bachelorette. So we don't write on the wall, like she said yes, or, you know. Mm I do crew. <laughs> yeah, I do crew. Any like penis jokes? Like we, okay. It's girls trip. So girls trips will go. You know, we'll get families coming from Monday through Friday. Our our national Airbnb is like a girls trip Airbnb as well. And we get guys, we get girls, mm. we get families, we get anything because it's not specific to a bachelorette. However, okay. I think there is a market for that. And like you said, if it is weekend bookings only, they can you know charge a premium for that weekend. But we try to make it so it's not only one specific niche that people, other groups are comfortable with it. And we all know women are the ones that are booking the Airbnbs. So, you know, you got to attract to the girlies. Absolutely. That's so funny. You've had guys book too. I feel like in a place like Nashville or Austin, that still works. Like those towns are so quirky that you can still have a bachelor party come or a group of guys do their whatever fantasy football draft. And that still works for a place like that. Yeah. Um, And it's. For example, we're doing um, our clients up in, up the road in Austin, and we have a pickleball court in the backyard. So it's like, and we'll have a pool. There's, you know, a lot of other amenities that we'll add that will make it attractive to other people. So it's not just like only girls, only the house, nothing in the backyard. So it's okay for guys. Like, we'll make sure to have like outdoor games or outdoor ping pong, cornhole, Jenga, disc golf, things like that. So if the girlies are having a great time, so will the boys. Mm-hmm. Okay, cute. Do you remember episode 68 where I got to interview Kenny Bedwell, the CEO at S-Tier Insights? Well, since his episode dropped, I have heard multiple success stories from No Vacancy listeners who have been able to find their next property thanks to Kenny and his team at S-Tier Insights. If you've been wondering if the property or market you are looking at will be a good investment, or if you have no idea what market or property to start looking at, please take advantage of the free call that S-Tier Insights is offering No Vacancy listeners. You have nothing to lose. 
With their 100% success rate, I am confident that you'll be in good hands working with S-Tier Insights. Whether you're looking for cash flow, cash on cash return, or long-term appreciation, S-Tier Insights will first help you define your goals and then identify the market and property that is right for you. The team is made up of S-Tier investors and operators themselves, so they know exactly what to look for in terms of a good market and property, and will make sure that you can legally operate in the areas they point you to. If you're ready to join the dozens of No Vacancy listeners who have already started working with S-Tier Insights to find their next property, just click the link in my show notes to schedule your free call and get you one step closer to finding that perfect deal. So that leads me perfectly to my next question. So obviously you're focusing a lot on the interior of the hall when you're designing, but what about the outdoor amenities? Like if the client wants to add a pickleball court or do an outdoor ping pong table or something, are you also designing that for them? Like, how are you charging these different rates and everything? Is that like in the full scope of the project or that's a whole separately build thing to do outdoors? Yeah. So when we have clients reach out to us, they reach out at a specific time when they're already closed or very close to being closed. So they're already have planned out like the amenities. So they're not usually like under construction and asking for input. It's more so, hey, I'm buying this house. This is what's done. I have the pool installed. I have the pickleball court coming. So they don't usually ask for those types of things. However, the one that I have keep mentioning back, the one in Austin here, they were under construction. So we did get to, uh, you know, advise on if we think a pickleball court is, you know, due to the data, does that make sense? Are there ones like it? Is it worth the investment? Like we'll choose like landscaping rock and the, like the decking and stuff, but like that's not as common. However, I do think that it makes it much more experiential when someone that's a professional has thoughts and feedback during the process of the entire creation. Things like the outdoor ping pong and like a sauna and things like that can be added really easily. You know, a pickleball court is very, very specific and a huge investment. So they usually kind of have an idea about that, but we do like to choose the colors of the pickleball court. Like we're doing a pink pickleball court. So um, in Arizona, we you know chose the coloring, the yellow basketball court, things like that. But I would say for the most part, it is pretty cosmetic. We don't usually choose those big things because the investors usually have already had them decided. So I just thought of something like, In Scottsdale, when you did the bachelorette, the two bachelorette houses, you had so much data there to look at. I feel like every house in Scottsdale is a bachelorette party house. You could very easily justify it. You're in Austin where you're basically the first one. You said that there's none, even though there's thousands of bachelorette parties in Austin. How are you running those numbers or or pickleball court, for example? Like if that's the first pickleball court that's been installed in Austin, how are you figuring out that data to be like, yes, this is worth the investment when you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. And that's where I think our investors have to be on board with, there is a slight risk in this. And we're working with Rob Avasolo, who's bigger pockets guy. So he's like a legit, he's like, I'm ready for a Bridget. Let's like take, you know, let's do it. Let's go full into it. Let's have a unique stay. People like that who understand already that, okay, Maybe we're not in Scottsdale where we have dozens, so it's obvious we should do it. But I want to be the first, and I want to take this chance because who doesn't play? Pick- who doesn't know what pickleball is? So many girls and guys and old women and you know kids play pickleball. We know that's super popular. If no one has it, like we're kind of being like I guess the trendsetters. Like we're ready to take that risk, and knowing that pickleball is a great sport that everyone loves, it's trending right now. Knowing that. Uh, bachelorette and girls trips are 
us in the top 10 place. We've done lots of research for that. I think it is a risk, to be honest with you, because there isn't data to say. It's just being willing to try it first and then be the best and then be the richest. I think I think there's a lot like the people who do well in this industry, there is some like just intuition that plays into it for sure. Yeah. yeah you, I don't think you always have to back everything up with data. Yeah. I mean, okay. who would have guessed like to this day, one of the most popular listings on Airbnb is a fucking potato. Like, like who would have potato? Who would have known? Who would have known? Like, oh, let's make a potato. This is gonna be like one of the most popular listings. Like, you know, I just do think some of it takes a little bit of like heart and and risk behind it. But it's still it's a very calculated risk. Like you said, like pickleball is on the up. You know that Austin is a top 10 bachelorette party destination. Like you're just kind of filling in the gaps of like what's already working here. And then how do we meet that that demand that's already there? I agree. And all we everything that we do is to create the scroll stopping image. Like we there are so many Airbnbs. You just need to get people to stop in their tracks. So even if it is a guy that stops in his tracks, he might save it and remember it for his wife or his kids or so on and so forth. And something that we like to think about is there's a controversy of going bold. We have clients sometimes that will have their partners be like, well, I want to design something that I want to live in. And like our biggest advice is don't design for you, design for what makes sense and like the market. However, I would rather have 50% of the population be obsessed and love the fuck out of this listing than 100% of people just kind of like it or just like it. Because you're going to get those 50 people who are incredibly committed, excited, love your space, take pictures, share with the world. It's okay if not everyone loves it and it doesn't cater to everybody. How many, uh, I don't know if you know this number, do we know how many visitors come to Austin every year? I don't. Millions, I'm guessing. I'm just going to guess it. Let's just say a million. I don't know this off the top of my head. But like I've said this before, you basically have... If you're renting every single weekend and then maybe like some Monday through Thursdays, mm-hmm. that's basically a hundred reservations a year. Like you yeah. really only need to appeal to a hundred people out of a million every single year. <laughs> so like yeah. you said, trying to just make this like lukewarm, bland design that's going to make all million people happy. That's just so the wrong way to go. Like you really want to find those hundred people that can even stay in your place when you only have 365 days a year to rent. And who are going to be those hundred people that are like, I am obsessed. This is what yes. I'm booking. I'm done looking. I'm not even clicking on another one. Done. Booked. Yes. Reserved. And yeah. the thing about that is that the people that book are real, happy, genuinely good, excited people. I feel like they're mm-hmm. like, I'm coming for an event. I'm so excited. Your place is beautiful. Thank you so much. Like if you walk in and the dishwasher's not working, they're not going to like bomb you. It's just like, we're happy to be here. Just like, you know, it's not working. Like We've had our national Airbnb for two years. Knock on wood, we've had zero issues, zero complaints. Everyone is just happy to be in this wild, outrageous space. There, It feels like the people that book unique places where there's hand chairs and weird big dinosaurs are just, you know, like I said, happy to be there. So you also get a different clientele, whereas you might get someone that's coming to your normal home for a funeral and they're a little bit more on edge or like they just went through a divorce. I don't know. Whatever it may be, it just seems yeah. like people that are here are ready to have fun and be silly. Yeah, you totally are just the design that you're doing is like attracting the crowd that like wants to just like let loose and have fun. Like you're picking, you're like intentionally picking part of the seg- like segmenting the population of like, oh, I only want people who are here to have a good time to book. Like I don't want the person who's like transient, just coming yeah. and like depressed, going through a do- job transition. Yeah. They just move, they're all alone. Like I yeah. I'm sorry. 
find another place. I wish you the best, but that's not what we're working with. Like you want the fun people who are going to be a great time and be a great guest. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to market your listing unintentionally. They're going to share it with their cute girls who are also going to a bachelorette trip the next year. They're going to share the link. It's just like the marketing that you get from that is beyond even me who will share it on my profile. It's a huge wave of everyone sharing this wild because who wouldn't want to take a picture with a nine foot dinosaur that's pink? How how do you come up with your designs? Like, do you find a nine foot dinosaur and then paint it pink or disco tile it? And you're like, this is it. This is the iconic statement piece. I'm building everything around it. Or Like, I feel like a lot of the finds that you've put in your listings just seem like they've happened by chance. Like you're just browsing Facebook marketplace and it pops up and you're like, I'm grabbing this. So what's kind of the order in which you work with things? Is it the statement piece first or plugging those in if you get lucky? No, those are just plugged in. So those are just like a wonderful addition. When we have clients, we always say that we're going to try to find Facebook marketplace finds if it's in person, if it's virtual, that's not included. But if it's in person, we have a theme that we've agreed upon. We'll make mood boards for the clients to approve if they want to be involved. There'll be a general or a very you know specific theme that we're going for. And then when we're on site or before we're going, we'll browse Facebook. For example, the one that we did in Arizona that had two huge dinosaurs that are hot pink. We didn't expect to have those, but there was this huge graveled area in their backyard that they didn't have a budget or plan to put anything there yet. And so we're like, we need to find something to fill out. We thought about like a tiki hut. We thought about like getting like an old vintage car, but none of that popped up. We're just searching and searching. I like to spend a lot of time on Facebook when I'm a before a job in that market. And I found these dinosaurs and they were like $400 for both of them. And they were the size of a car. And so we're like, that is exactly what you need. And now insert image. It's like a really incredible backdrop for these. So it is by chance. I'm on the hunt though. So I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get it immediately. But yes, it's the, no, none of those are ever planned or based around anything. How do you like charge for something like that? Like, did you just like, in those cases, I feel like a lot of designers just do the virtual design. Like you're not doing the install yourself, are you? Or are you like picking up the dinos and bringing them over and painting them yourself? Like what's your process? Yeah. So when we first started, our first job we ever did, we barely charged anything. We didn't know how to charge, what to do, what made sense, what people would pay. And so our first job, we flew to North Carolina. I'll just give you a backstory. Okay. So they had a a one bedroom, one bath. Like now we don't really even take those small projects, but it was our first one. We didn't know what we were doing and we were excited. So we took this job. It was $5,000 and we paid for our own flight. So like we ended up walking away with like really absolutely nothing. We were there for a week. We built every single piece of furniture. We, we put up every single art. We, you know, painted all the walls, did murals, hung the wallpaper, broke down the boxes, disposed of everything. And then we were like, okay, I don't think that was worth it. That was so, that was so time consuming. So then we had our next job and we were like, okay, we're going to charge like a little material markup for to be able to hire some people to do some of that work for us. So we hired like some furniture builders and then, painters just to paint the accent walls and then we realized okay we it's still not enough because we're still doing like hours of manual labor and I just don't feel like our specialty is building like we need to make sense of this so now we're in a position where we don't do basically we arrive to a project and we've coordinated all of the packages to be brought in built all the walls to be painted a solid color I don't know why I did air quotes for that. A solid color. (laughs) We painted a solid color. All the wallpaper is put up. Basically, we walk in. We do the murals. We do the final touches. We, like, frame the art, hang the art. 
do the marketing, the social media videos, posts. We're there for like five days and we're doing install the entire time. But before it used to be like, oh no, if we were doing all of it, it's like a two week process. So we've learned what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Obviously that's for the in-person service for virtual. It's up to the clients to coordinate that. But yeah, we don't do all that stuff anymore. Thank God. All right, hosts, can we keep it real for a sec? Are you absolutely fed up with constant changes from third-party booking platforms switching up your listing ranking randomly? Well, I've got a secret weapon for boosting your bookings and increasing guest loyalty. Introducing StayFi, your ultimate tool for gathering guest information, guest marketing, and fostering brand loyalty. How does it work? Have you ever visited a coffee shop where you enter your email in order to get on the Wi-Fi? StayFi operates the exact same way. Every single guest, not just the one who made the booking, has to provide their information when connecting, so you can start building your email list to stay in touch with every guest you've ever hosted. StayFi provides you with advanced email and text marketing tools to communicate with that growing contact list. As you cultivate your thriving list of subscribers, one quick email or automated series can turn into dozens of bookings where you are not relying on your OTA's algorithm. Impressive, right? So use code NOVACANCY for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. It's not just about attracting new guests. It's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong customers. Don't wait any longer to start building that contact list and use code NOVACANCY today to kickstart your guest loyalty program with StayFi. To lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com slash NOVACANCY and watch your bookings soar. What about for your own projects? Like, are you still scouring like Facebook Marketplace every day to hopefully find another dinosaur or a Taco Bell sign? Or like, what is, I'm just so curious. Like I followed you on Instagram for the longest time and like you bring these pieces into your home and you're like, I'm disco tiling this freaking like, I don't know, McDonald's sign. And I'm like, where did she even find this? Come up with it. A a gumball machine that you're going to fill with mini disco balls. Like, how do you even come up with like, this is, this is what this piece, this is what this property needs. Like, this is exactly what it's been missing. Like just what goes on inside your head? I think I have blind courage. I think that there's no logic to those random finds that I have. I think it's just like, oh my gosh, blue, I need this Taco Bell sign. Or like we have to need it. There's no it's almost like an addiction at this point <laughs> where if I see something like that, I physically can't pass it up. It's like I this is an item that is iconic and needed. And another part of that is I will say now that I have a social media following, I do do a lot of brand deals. So engagement and people commenting and you know making really cool videos is a huge part of my career now. It's become mm-hmm. like almost hand in hand with the design. So I have to come up with content. So I know the the people that follow me eat that up. And so on one hand, I love it. On the other hand, I find it fun to do that. And then the third factor is that it it's important for my platform. So all of those factors tying together. My boyfriend's not happier. Shed is full. Of okay. Reason. I don't even ask. Do you have a storage unit? Is this stuff just laying in the backyard? Like it snows in Austin, right? Don't you have to like protect this from the weather? <laughs> it doesn't snow because... That's something I should think about. I'm staring right at a nine-foot giraffe right here. (laughs) I wish I could. Our backyard, it used to be a storage unit. So we had all of our signs back there. Now that it's all Airbnb ready, we do have a shed. It's a very cute she shed. It has a ton of stuff. There's Taco Bell signs. 
I'll like send you a photo after this of like, all of our stuff is. Like honestly, there isn't room for everything that I have. And after I make the video, sometimes I'm like, I don't really know what to do with this huge Taco Bell sign. Like I just, that's not realistic to be in my home. The McDonald's sign, however, will always be realistic for my home. I love it. Always. She, there's no questions. Like she always have a place in my home. Some of the things I'm like, this will just be fun for the backyard. Like we have big zebras in the backyard. We are going to hang um, our Burger King sign on the side of the house. Like <laughs> things like that. But there does come a point where it's like, this is a problem. And I don't really know how to solve it. And I don't get to solve it. So I'm just waiting for the day that Blue is like, we can't do this anymore. You need to do like some giveaways. I should. How do I ship a huge item like that? Oh, shipping. I guess that they could coordinate shipping. Shipping. I didn't even think about that. Because, yeah, if you're like, if part of you doing this today is like still for engagement and everything, yeah. like how amazing if it was like repost this and one of you will yeah. win my right. disco bald Burger King sign. But how do you get it to them? I'm sure we could find a way. People, you know, I think that's even inspired me. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to consider that. Because if it okay. goes to a good home, I'm okay with that. No, but it has to be a good home. Would you have you tried like selling because you came from furniture flipping? That's what you used to do. Have you tried flipping like a disco ball Burger King sign or are people just like, what is this? <laughs> Probably both. I mean, I get okay. I get a large amount of hate and judgmental comments and I'm like, thank you for the engagement. honey. My favorite ever was when you did when you disco ball <laughs> the what was it? The lawnmower or the oh, yes. or the yes. weed whacker or something. Yes. That was my favorite ever. The comments on that. Okay, set up the backstory of this. What was, okay. did you actually disco tell it or was this just like a prank for it, like engagement? Like set up the backstory. This is my favorite. And that rage hate comments you got. I was just like, why are people so triggered by disco? What? Like, people. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we had just moved into this house. The house was disgusting. Like it was not renovated at all. So I had no content to post. I was like, Blue, I'm really nervous about moving into this home because it looks disgusting. I can't even paint the walls. Like, it was really bad before I moved in. So I had to come up with creative things to do. And so I was like, Blue, what if I made a series about disco tiling your tools? And he's like, oh, I guess. Like, he was kind of like, well, I just, I just bought those. But whatever he got on Facebook, it's, it was junk anyways. So I'm like, I'm going to just spray paint your, your lawnmower. And then I'm going to disco tile it because I, I spray paint silver first so you can't see, like, the gaps. Yeah. And so he's like, I guess. So I just randomly, I decided I was going to make a video. And then I posted about it. I ended up disco tiling half. I was just going to be like, stay tuned for part two. Because it was kind of a joke anyways. Yeah. And I didn't want to spend like 10 hours disco tiling this lawnmower. So I posted it. And I thought it would just be fine and normal. And like people would laugh about it and get it. But I swear, Natalie, I'm never. I think I read every single comment on that. And people were so angry like it Period. was literally like Period. oh your boyfriend must love this like yeah. red flags like time yeah. to divorce her i was yeah. like what Period. you know you know what i think that fueled my passion for making men angry because it gave me a high i loved it i was like yes. and then i did his oh my god i'm gonna call it a spoon his shovel i did his shovel and i like pretended to do his car tire like wheels or whatever and so it, it i should bring that back because it's really fun Another thing that made people furious is when I did my friend's pregnant belly. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I missed that. You got to go look at that. That's a good one. I made a joke and I did a voiceover. I was like, my friend's belly was so boring. I wanted to make it cuter. Oh my gosh, look how cute it is. It was so ugly before, whatever. Obviously a joke. And I've never in my life 
gotten roasted more. I'm the worst friend ever. I should die. How dare I disrespect the most beautiful God's gift? Like it was <laughs> crazy, but it was fun. I love that. No. You know? Did she have the baby yet? She didn't. I think I should just go tell. You need to disco tell the baby when it's born. I'm part just... two. Will okay. yes get called? Okay, I'm... no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do this. I don't want you to spray paint the baby. Okay, yeah, that's like toxic. Fair. Fair. What if you just got like a little like a beanie or like a little hat for the baby, okay. disco tile that, and you could just like pull it over the head? Is there something there? Could we disco tile or just um, like over like cover the forehead or something okay, like well. a beanie and like a disco tiled onesie? I think that could be a move. Because we I've... need we need to do like a transition of like her rubbing yeah. the pregnant belly that's disco tiled, and then like nine months later, whatever, three months later, the yeah. baby pops out, and now the baby's disco tiled. I think you're onto something because yes. I was thinking about how I could make that happen, but I was worried that I would get um, CPS would get called on them because people are so yeah. Don't don't spray paint the baby like that's like, a bit much. Baby. Can you disco tile a baby? You've had <laughs> you can you disco tile a baby? It's just, you're gonna find out for us. It's just, okay, all right. You heard it here. Look, no, I love it. Your content is so funny and engaging, and like, there's just so many inside jokes on your account now that I'm just obsessed with. Yeah, but I, I just, it's really cool to see how you've turned it like into a career. I don't even remember when I started following you. I think it was when you were spray painting the pink dinos for Scottsdale. I think that that's yeah. when I found you. And yeah, I just have been like following ever since, and it's crazy to see how you've like pivoted that into being a professional short-term rental designer and like just I don't know the way you've like stepped into this industry is really cool so I didn't even know you had the arbitrage background but it's just very cool to see everything what let's just wrap up with this can you give like two final tips to an investor out there I know one thing you talked about is you always design with like the scroll stopping moment in mind what is like the easiest way to do that and and build around that okay so number one and this is I people where I hate that I say this Hire, if you don't have the skills, hire someone, whether that's me, Tatiana, someone badass girl that can do it, or boy, hire someone that can do it because you're investing. This is a moneymaker. You need to make money, invest in, you've already bought the house, do it right the first time. Okay. So that's my number one thing. If you don't have what it takes, hire it out. You wouldn't plumb your house, you'd hire a plumber. So number two, if you are taking this on, which let's go, kudos to you. I have a few tips and like I said, like Natalie said, the scroll-stopping listing should always be in mind if your market is, well, in any market, you should have a scroll-stopping listing. If you're in a hot spot, a place that's popular, vacation, very touristy, I always try to incorporate a selfie wall. So I like to have one wall, if I can do more, I will, that people, there's some type of fun seating with wallpaper or hire a muralist to put a really cool mural or a neon sign that people will sit down and share it with their social media. People want to tell everyone where they are. We're living in the era where you are showing off. You are trying to live your best life and show everyone that that's happening. So you need to run with that. So selfie wall is number one. Number two, I would make sure to have some type. If you can do this, great. Hire on a muralist to have one big mural outdoor if you're in like a very outdoor friendly area. One big mural that says where you are or like a fun tagline about where you are. Like we have one in Austin and I just wrote like keep Austin weird with like all these rainbows and weird things in the backyard. You know, it's a selfie wall, but it's also going to be in the background of photos. And then number three, I always tell people focus on your hero shots. So the Airbnb data guy, John Bianchi at STR Nation said, 
bathrooms don't matter. So like, don't worry about investing in your bathroom, making your bathrooms all crazy and nice. Invest in like where it matters. So behind the TV wall, behind every bedroom, every bed wall, have something there. So you can have the really cheap wallpaper behind every wall. I would say invest a little bit in quality wallpaper so it's not falling off your wall. Also know if you should use like peel and stick versus traditional if your walls are textured. But focus on your hero shots. Every bed wall have something unique back there for photos and then behind the TV. And don't worry about the other stuff if you're starting small. But focus on what matters and what's going to be shown in the photo. And I'll give one last example. We had a client one time that had an Airbnb that was already done. The photo was of the bed and there was a white wall, but the wallpaper was on the other side of the wall where it wasn't even shown in the photos. So like make sure that you are doing everything for the photo and know where your photographer is going to take it and just, yeah, that's all. Just do it. (laughs) Design. No, that's great advice. So design with like the photography in mind and everything. And if you're on a budget and let's say you have to do this in phases, like you can't do the whole house right now, where would you say is the best place to have your hero image? Is it a common area, an outdoor space, a bedroom? Do you like ever try to prioritize things like that if you do have to do it in phases? I feel like I would do the common spaces first. If that were the case for us, I would do behind the TV wall. That would be my prioritized wallpaper. And then I think honestly, bedroom wallpaper would probably be less because you're hanging out in the common space. You're taking pictures there. You're not so much taking photos in the bedroom. But I will say there are really cheap ways to make your space unique. If you Even if you just painted an arch behind the bed, you could just get a, a really cheap projector on Amazon, project an arch, trace it with a pencil, and then mm-hmm. paint the inside. Or like you can buy a peel and stick arch for 50 bucks on Amazon. If you can't invest hard, try to do a little bit in the bedrooms, even if it's just like some fun local art behind the bed. And I also want to say... Add in some local touches. Like I, I keep bringing it back to Austin because we live here. But behind me, it says Texas is for lovers with like a cowboy on a horse. Like our neon sign up here says, I want to be a cowboy baby. Like we just know, like you just, people are coming to your location because they want to have fun there and they want to feel the culture. Even though going out in Austin, it's not really cowboy-ish and like that's not even really like the outside normal vibe. People just want to have an experience. And so just really try to incorporate that. Don't like buy live, laugh, love signs. People want it to be local culture and just fun. <laughs> live, laugh, love. That is my local culture. I know. <laughs> I'm extremely offended right now. You know. um, okay. Last question I want to ask you is, and I just feel like you're the pers- perfect person to ask for this. What is your advice on like following your intuition and trusting your gut? Like where do you... And I know we touched on this earlier that there is some data calculations, but I think ultimately a lot of your stuff is just taking that leap of faith and being like, this is cool. People will be into it. My people will find it. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for somebody who like feels drawn in a certain direction, but they're just like, oh, I don't know. Like, are people going to be into this? What would you say to that person? Hmm. Okay. Because there is a fine line. So it's tough. And I'll use my sister as an example. My sister is gothic. And like I'm the opposite. I'm super colorful. Oh my god, that's so cute. I know. I would have never guessed. I know. Oh. I have a video on Instagram like about <laughs> our differences. So she, you know, lives in LA and she's like a gothic girl. And like that's her vibe is being dark. So like she can live her truth all she wants. But if she were designing like a gothic Airbnb, you know, I would say that's actually a really hard question because it's like you have to kind of have a background knowledge of what will work a little bit. Well, wait, and a gothic Airbnb could work in LA. 
Like I could see that being a thing there. Right. So it's like knowing your location a little bit. And yeah, it could work for like that or like Humboldt County or something. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a different, like more populated area, you know what though? Now that I think about it, I'm like, maybe Gothic is the next move. Maybe that's the next move. Everything's colorful now. Maybe just all black. Let's color up. Shelby, come on. You want to be a designer girl? So, you know what? I thought I had a great answer to your question, but I think living your truth in general, I think I just feel in my life, I don't really care what people think about me. And I just be, I'm kind of disgusting and just real and inappropriate, I'm sure, to a lot of people. But I think I just feel really comfortable with who I am as a human. So it translates to like the art that I do. So I think just being able to know yourself and knowing that like, it's okay if not everyone accepts it. And like, you're going to get hate on anything you do forever. You could save a child from a burning building and they could say, why wouldn't you take the photo album? Like you just, there's nothing ever you will do right. So living your truth and doing what's best for you, I think will always work out in the end. And people love authenticity and uniqueness. I love it. That was such a good answer. Thank you. Yeah, I just pulled that out of my ass. Like, you know, you're like, how do you just come up with it? I don't know. Just come down. There we go. There we go. You just trusted your gut that that was going to be the perfect answer. Bridget, thank you so much. This was a really fun interview. I'm so glad we finally got to chat and everything. And you guys, uh, just so you know, you will be seeing Bridget at Level Up Your Listing Summit. We'll have her speaking on day two. I'm so excited for her to take the stage. So stay tuned for that. And you can purchase your tickets right now. I'll put that link in the bio. And we'll also put how to connect with Bridget. Any last notes on how to connect with you? Or should I just drop links in the show notes? You can drop links, but I'm at It's Bridget Bitch on Instagram, TikTok, and then you can look up itsbridgetbitch.com if you want to look for a design service. We have virtual in-person or just like an hour consultation call for advice. So that's where you can find me. Thank you, Bridget. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? Uh, This host posted a screenshot of an inquiry that they received from a guest. So let me first read what the host said about this, and then we'll read what the guest's inquiry was. So the host said, what would you answer to this bold request? I need suggestions on a somewhat nice response. My first thought was, thank you for the good joke. What would your response be? Here's what the guest wrote. Hi, I would like to know if you would be willing to donate a stay at your property to our nonprofit for a tax write-off. We are looking at the month of December. Thank you for considering this. Okay, at first, I thought she just meant like, we are looking at the month of December. Like, oh, we are just looking for a stay during the month of December. Like, we can be flexible anytime in the month of December that you could donate a free stay. We'd be willing to consider. Then I look, the inquiry is for December 1st through the 31st, so a full month stay, full 31 days. The inquiry is for $17,000, $17,121.95. I would like to know if you'd be willing to donate a stay at your property to our nonprofit for a tax write-off. We are looking at the month of December. Thank you for considering this. The month, the entire month. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt that they were like looking for, you know, two midweek days that were unlikely to be booked anyway. No, the month. They want a $17,000 donation. Um, Did this woman put in here the name of the organization, her tax-exempt status, the fact that they are a 501c3, like any proof or documentation that this is a nonprofit? Lady, go get effed. Like, are you kidding me? Oh my god, I hate shit like this. 
This pisses me off so much. Who is this host to you? What is this relationship to go and ask for a $17,000 donation to your nonprofit who you can't even tell us what it is? Absolutely not. People who take advantage of having a nonprofit, we don't even know if this is legit. If this woman actually owns or works for a 501c3 nonprofit organization and she's going to use that status for things like this and take advantage of situations like this, there's no explanation here of if this stay is going to benefit the nonprofit in any way. If, you know, this was a homeless shelter organization and they're trying to house people here, like no explanation, nothing. This sounds to me like this woman just wants a personal vacation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. To take advantage of your tax exempt status, if this even exists, if this is even legit, is so shameful. So shameful. I mean, I don't know what the host should say. I don't know why this host is like, I need, res- I need suggestions on a somewhat nice response. You do not owe her a nice response. This was not a nice question. This was full on taking advantage and trying to pull on your heartstrings that you're going to be this good person who donates $17,000 to a nonprofit. Get get out of here, lady. You do not owe her a nice response. It is so disrespectful that she would even ask this. Literally, what is wrong with people, you guys? What is actually wrong with people? Now, I've seen cases where a nonprofit can reach out to a host and say, hey, we're doing a silent auction or a raffle or something. Would you be willing to gift a free stay to your place? as part of like a charitable contribution, right? Like you gift a free weekend that has to be used one of these weekends or has to be redeemed within a year. And we're going to raffle it off and try to make some money off of that. And then that money that we raise goes to the nonprofit. That I'm totally fine with. If you want to gift a free stay in that kind of capacity and put some conditions around it, and you could say it can't be a holiday weekend. It has to be in this month. It has to be redeemed within this amount of time. It's two days max. That is totally fine. But just asking for the entire month of December for free because of your nonprofit, give me a break. Someone left this comment and said, the IRS does not allow you to write off something like this, unfortunately. My house rents out at $1,650 a night and I donated it. That's $1,650 a night. And I donated it for three months to a family whose child was having a heart transplant. And unfortunately, I could not write anything off. If it is during downtime and your house is vacant and you research the nonprofit and want to support them, then you could consider donating. This I agree with. Again, like what would that donation look like? You can't write anything off. So if it's a cause you really want to support and out of the kindness of your heart, there's a free few days that are available and you want to gift them either, you know, to whatever house people that are supported by this charity or you want to gift it for a raffle so they can raise money. Like that is totally fine. But no, we're not just giving away a $17,000 stay. Absolutely not. This is my favorite comment here. Somebody said, so if you want to keep your response rate up, you will have to respond. I have crafted a response for you, and I think I've gotten it just right. And then in quotes, she puts the word no. Nailed it. That's all we need. Just put no. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.